We hope you enjoy this message from Church on the Lake by Pastor Mike Cooper. Continuing the power of your words, say this, not that. And we're starting with not that. (laughs) Because we don't want to talk about, um, we want to end with what you're supposed to say, the good stuff. So tonight we're talking about manipulation. Who here likes to be manipulated? Nobody? Of course not. But we don't like to be manipulated, but we can get caught up being a manipulator. But you know who's a master manipulator? the devil. So don't join his team. Be aware of it. You see, he is always trying to get us to do what he wants us to do and not what God wants. So when you are tempted to set things up so everything goes your way (laughs) and in your favor instead of waiting on God's favor and realizing that if we don't get something, that that is actually God's favor on us. He wants the best for us, and we don't need to manipulate. Manipulation is control or influence over a person or situation cleverly, unfairly, or unscrupulously. That's what manipulation means. At its core, it's a type of lying. When someone speaks falsely for the purpose of deception, he or she is being manipulative because to deceive is to manipulate someone into thinking or behaving in a certain way. So every time the Bible speaks about lying, manipulation can be applied. So... One of the ways that manipulation is in action is by backtracking on our promises. In Proverbs 26, 18 to 19, it says, The one who is caught lying to his friend who says, I didn't mean it, I was only joking, can be compared to a madman randomly shooting off deadly weapons. That's how the passion puts it. Well, I don't want to be a madman. So I want to keep my word. In 1 Samuel, in the Tree of Life version, uh, chapter 18, verses 17 and 19, it says, Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter Merib. I give her to you as a wife. Only continue to be my son of valor and fight Adonai's battles. For Saul thought, "My My hand needn't be against him. Let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So he was deceiving David. He was dangling this beautiful woman, and he was just waiting for David to bite. In verse 19, it says, But when it was time 
to give Saul's daughter Merib to David in marriage. She was given as a wife to Adriel the someone instead. <laughs> not sure how to say that. So let's not follow Saul's example. Dangling treats in front of people and then pulling it back. No one likes to be manipulated, yet it runs strong in our culture. And many people will do whatever it takes to get what they want. Whether it's our children, our friends, our spouse, our employer and employee, we tell people one thing and do another. I already said, my notes say we dangle these treats. I already said that, so... And then we change the rules or we change the deal. Many times, people will make a business deal and then they find out, oh, you got more money. And then they change the deal. Or, um, you know, that's manipulation. Or parents will say, okay, if you do these three things, then I'll give you this. But they really wanted the kid to do five things, so they didn't want to tell them the whole truth. So once they do the five, three things, oh, but you have to do these two more things. Well, that's manipulation. Just be truthful and say what you expect. Maybe a spouse wants you to do something but leaves out some of the details because they think you won't respond positively if they give all the details. Or you might ask, them, we do this to our spouse and to our children, and maybe our friends, anybody really. You ask them something in front of someone because you think they won't say no when people are around. This is manipulation. Now I'm going to tell you a little story on myself because... You know, as you know, we've been looking for houses, or a house, not houses. <laughs> but we've been looking at many houses. And so we had this list of houses, and you know, you see it on paper, and it's like, oh, you know, that looks nice. Well, then, you know, one of us said, ooh, you know, I like that one, you know, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, so... I thought Mike was going to like, you know, this two houses in particular that I wasn't quite in favor of, but we were going to look at them anyway, and, um, you know, I'm thinking beforehand, I've got to talk him out of these houses, because I know he's going he's gonna to like those two. I've got to talk him out of it. So we went and looked at all these houses. And then we um, prepared the sermon. <laughs> and so at breakfast this morning, we were talking about, you know, the houses that we looked at, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm telling him, yeah, I thought I was going to have to talk you out of us too. <laughs> and as I'm saying it, I'm like, ooh, that sounds a little like manipulation. And right when I'm thinking that, he says, good thing we're talking about manipulation. 
And I said, okay, let me change the way I said that. I need to clearly just state, I do not like those houses. <laughs> and then we will discuss it further, right? Because and we just need to be honest. We don't need to try to work things. Just be honest. Just be truthful. But you see how easy it is. I mean, I would tell you, I'm not a manipulator. But see how easy? You can just kind of get in there and you, you don't even realize you're doing it. So let's be aware of the devil's schemes and not be manipulators. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says, Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. So let's use that as a guide when dealing with people. And we'll find that there's no need for manipulation. We can trust God, and, we, and he will take care of all our needs. We just need to love and be truthful. So don't speak or act in manipulation. Looking like each other, right? <laughs> we're, we're twinsies tonight. Give me, give me some more. <laughs> Am I on? Okay. So we were shopping, you know. And I know you all think that I talked him into buying that shirt. Don't you? I know you think that. But no, he got that shirt first. And he's like, hey, why don't you get one too? I said, okay, let's do it. And, and Jerry told me that she has some earrings that would match my shirt. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is something we bought on our 40th anniversary trip. And I did buy mine first and I talked her into it. And Shannon had given us these t-shirts, so we thought, well, well, we'll look American and we'll look country tonight. <laughs> Amen. Well, I think Liz did a really good job of, of setting the table to show us not what we should say in the sense of manipulation. And, and I really get the easier job tonight because I get to talk about what to say. And the examples in the Bible are, they're the negative ones that she brought out. And I, I think we would all agree that Saul, King Saul, was a manipulator. That Laban was a manipulator. Rebecca was a manipulator. Right? And some of them we look back, and, and like Rebecca, I mean, married to Isaac, uh, a, 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 a product of the promise of Abraham, and yet... Uh, we would say that Sarah was a manipulator, right? So biblical characters, a lot of times we, we put biblical characters on a pedestal. We put biblical characters on a pedestal and, and we, we miss the fact that all of them and all of us need the grace of God, right? So um, all of those people in order to not be manipulators, needed the grace of God 
And we know that Rebecca obviously found the grace of God and God used her in a mighty way to, to kind of shift things in the future between Jacob and Esau, right? Now, the way she went about it was manipulation. But God, in his grace, still worked his plan. And so I'm going to use three examples of true Everything that Liz said about love, loving kindness, um, you know, speaking the truth, my examples are that. And so I want to start in Psalm 23, which I think is a beautiful picture of how to say this and not that. So let's go to Psalm 23 and verses 1 through 6. I, every one of you know this psalm, and I have been enjoying reading it out of the Passion it's opened my eyes to a few things within this psalm, but let's just listen to this, and then I'm going to pull out just a few things from here as an example of how the Lord is not a manipulator. Yahweh is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me the right path and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be with you forever. Now, when you read that, I, I want to say the opposite of what Liz was talking about, manipulation, is unconditional love. And you cannot read Psalm 23 without seeing unconditional love. The, Yahweh is my best friend. He is my shepherd. My best friend. Now, we all had friends growing up that we called friends that would lie to us. And our parents hopefully said, is that really your best friend? Is that really your friend or is it the friend that told you the truth? Right? Think about it. Yahweh is my best friend. Yahweh is my best friend. Why? Because God, Jesus, always tells us the truth. 
He doesn't manipulate us into the truth. He tells us the truth. Therefore, he is our very best friend. And I want you to see the picture of a shepherd. And I don't want you to see it as someone who's lording over the sheep, but someone who's guiding his sheep. Because a shepherd loves his sheep. His sheep are his livelihood. So a shepherd who's out, you know, imagine being out on a a foggy night like tonight will be tonight, how foggy it's been the last couple of, of mornings, and out on a hillside with his sheep, and he's watching those sheep. Why? Because he wants the very best for his sheep. He doesn't want a coyote or a wolf or a lion or a bear to eat his sheep. So when a shepherd is guiding his sheep, he's taking them to the safest place that he possibly can take them. He's putting them in a place where he can be vigilant so that he can see his sheep and know that they're protected, even in the dark. Think about that. The Lord is your shepherd. So when the Lord is leading you, he's leading you to a place that is best for you. He's putting you in a position and in a place where he can watch over you and use you to the fullest extent because you are his sheep. So, Just listen to these lines that I read to you already, but listen to them from that context, okay? He gives us a resting, he gives me a resting place in his luxurious love. He gives me a resting place in his luxurious love. When the devil's got control of your mind, are you resting at night? No. No, you're tossing and turning all night. Those thoughts are spinning around in your head. But when you're resting in the Lord, it's like a luxurious sleep. And if you're not getting a luxurious sleep, you need to get back to the shepherd and let the shepherd take all the fear away. Because fear is one of the things that robs our sleep. And so the shepherd doesn't manipulate us. The shepherd gives us true rest and sleep. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Listen to this next thing. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace. So I'm out on this trail and I'm following his tracks lead his tracks and they're leading me to an oasis of peace. See how he leads us? Leadership is not manipulation. It, and if it's done with the love and the, and the grace of God, it actually leads us to an oasis of peace. My job is to take you to green pastures. As your pastor My job is to get you to a green pasture. And it's not to take the grass in my hand and stick it down your throat. 
Amen? I'm saying, look at this field, y'all. It's an oasis of peace. Come and eat. Come and eat. And your job isn't to come over and get it out of my hand. It's to come over and eat. It's your grass. Eat it. Oh, and as you eat it, he restores your soul. See, a shepherd brings you to the fertile field so that you can eat of the goodness of the Lord. Amen? He takes us to the quiet brook of bliss. I just love these words after being on a, a blissful honeymoon over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> the Lord led me to a quiet brook of bliss. You might say, well, what did you do on this trip? We rested. I mean, I could say probably for the first time in our life, we went on vacation and we rested. And it was so amazing. We actually kept a very similar schedule to here. We, we get up early in the morning. We spend our time in devotion with the Lord. And then we go on a walk every morning. We did that every day. You know, except Sunday. We still didn't walk on Sundays. And in Arizona, we, we walked in the desert. And we walked along the, they have irrigation ditches, you know, that are their bike trails and walking trails and, um, it was the day before our 40th anniversary. And so it was Saturday morning, and we were walking along one of these park-type irrigation things that um, are there. And just as the sun was coming up, out in front of us, we see, I see a ball. Now, you all know the ball story. So here I am following the tracks of bliss, and here is this ball, and I, I took a picture of it because it was a volleyball, and it was a Wilson, and Liz and I are like, oh my gosh, Tom Hanks has been here. This is where he was marooned in a deserted island, right, a desert place, and so we took a picture of it, but it was a special moment for us. And each morning over those days that we were gone, our walks were a special moment for us. We walked in the desert the first week and we walked on the beach the second week. And we had never been to Clearwater Beach or that part of Florida before, but just to have that time every morning to go out and walk on the beach and, and just enjoy each other and the Lord. And, and there, this is one of the, if you've never been there, this is really cool. You get the sunrise and the sunset there. Because you're on the west coast of Florida and you're on a little spit. And so you get to watch the sun come up and you get to watch it go down. It was just amazing. And, you know, after, after we walked, we would go have breakfast together. And if you've never been, I'm telling you, this little island, this little place has so many breakfast spots that we went to a different spot for the first five days and then we picked our favorites out of those and went back to them the next few days. But a new little breakfast spot every day with my bride on our 40th anniversary. It was awesome. 
And then after breakfast, we'd go down to the beach and we would read and we'd listen to podcasts and we'd just relax and relax. And can I say it again? Relax. We found the quiet brook of bliss. And that's where the Lord leads you. The Lord leads you to a quiet brook of bliss. And then he says, he restores and revives you. And I just had a vacation, so I can say he restored and revived me. But this is how the Lord wants to do for you every day, because he's your shepherd. And then one last thing I'm going to bring out, and then I'll move on. He opens before me the right path. Right? And leads me alone, or along, in his footsteps of righteousness. Do you see the opposite of manipulation there? He leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness. So he leads us. When Liz and I first got married, uh, we were in the military and we went to Shreveport, Louisiana. We were at Barksdale Air Force Base for three and a half years. I spent my whole enlistment at the same base. And we already had the call of God for ministry. We knew that when we got out of the military, we were going to go into full-time ministry and really looked at the military and the Air Force as our, our Bible college, our training ground uh, before we went in the ministry. Not that I didn't do Bible college, because I did. I got my degree and all that. But that, that isn't really what prepared me for the ministry. The military did. The Air Force did. And it was really the people that were sitting next to me every night on patrol as I, you know, had to find a way to tell them about Jesus and to talk to them about the Lord. And some of them I would lead to Christ. Some of them I would disciple. Some of them may even be listening right now on this Facebook because many of them are now following us on Facebook and, and reacting to uh, different messages and different things that are happening. So my Air Force buddies, it's good to see you all. Uh, some are wanting to come by and visit the church. I think it's pretty exciting after all these years. But while we were there and doing all that, we were heavily involved in our local church. And we started teaching a Sunday school class. We had the two and three-year-old class. <laughs> so much fun. And um, we loved them. And, and now they're probably in their 50s, these kids. And, and uh, anyway, we had a great time with them. And all of a sudden, we, we started getting manipulated by the pastor. I mean, the pastor started doing things and, and literally manipulating me to do things that I didn't want to do, um, you know, and just treating Liz and I weird. And, and, and it finally came to a point where it's like, I, I can't be under this kind of manipulation. It's not right. And we broke away from that. And I remember how guilty I felt and how ashamed I felt. I, I, I felt guilty, ashamed, because they were relying on me and all this, but it was not good. And when you're in an unhealthy relationship, it's not good, right? And so anyway, we broke away from that, and we went into our new church. And uh, Skip Skip, where are you? There's Skip. Skip and I, we, we, and Liz, we, we have a familiar background in Shreveport in that we found the same love of a pastor, Denny 
Duran. Pastor Denny and Dionza Duran were the most wonderful pastors. And when we went into that church the first night, it was a Sunday night, and I had all, I was carrying all of this guilt and shame on me. And I was sitting up in the balcony. I never sit in the balcony, by the way. I've always been kind of a front row guy, okay? Uh, so it was really weird for me to be up, up in the back. Now, for Liz, she liked the back row, but I, I never, I want to be up front. I want to be where the glory comes out. Yeah, but I'm up there, and, and Denny begins glory to. Pre- <laughs> no shame on those in the back. Liz says there's glory back there, too. But there's a lot of disruptions, interruptions. So I'm up there in the balcony. And Denny is talking about Joseph that night, and he's talking about restoring the dream. And that night, God restored the dreams of ministry in my heart because I was losing sight of my future. I was losing sight of ministry because of manipulation. Manipulation was sucking the life out of me, and Denny breathed life back into me as he, he just spoke about the love of God and dreaming for God and, and God can use you. And that night, I mean, my, my socks were full. And it, it changed my life. And Liz and I have stayed connected to them in some way all of these years. They have ministered to us all of these years. So when you find a good coach... When you find a good teacher, when you find a, a parent that loves their kids or a pastor that loves its people, you, you want to be led by them. You, you want to follow them. And, and that's the way the Lord is. He's a good shepherd and, and you want to follow him. One example, I think, and I, just quickly, I've got a couple minutes and I, I've only got to the first example tonight, but it's okay. I'm going to close with this and, and my other examples were Barnabas and Jesus, okay? Y'all, you never can go wrong with Jesus, and Barnabas is a son of encouragement. But let me just finish with this. We got on the airplane heading to El Paso, or, well, heading to Phoenix, ended up in El Paso, and I, on the plane, I wanted to watch the movie Blindside. Have y'all watched that? Blindside, it's a really good movie. Uh, Sandra Bullock is, is one of the main characters in the movie, and she plays a strong Christian woman, and, and they, they bring into their family a very big left tackle, a football guy, you know, and he's African-American, and he's about this tall, and, and he's, he, he goes on to be a, a left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL, but he's just a raw kid when they find him. I mean, he's been out on the streets. He doesn't have any clothes. He just wears the shoes he's got. He's got the clothes on. And, and Sandra Bullock's character, the, it's a true story, just begins to love on this kid. And, and, and she, she is sassy, and, and she gets the coaches to coach him the right way. She shows how to be a good coach to this kid. She said, this kid is a protector. You got to let him know that he's part of a family, and he's got to protect the family. Well, long story short, because I'm out of time, this boy goes on to do amazing things in high school, and all of the coaches in the college ranks come. Lou Holtz and and Nick Saban, they all show up at this boy's house, and they're recruiting him, and and Sandra Bullock is, you know, lining him up and and trying to help him pick, and and they're, they're Mississippi people, 
University of Mississippi. That's, that's their school, and the dad went there, she went there, the family went there, the tutor went there. They were all Mississippi people, and you've got LSU coming and Alabama coming and, and, and South Carolina, and they're all recruiting this kid. And so the boy decides he wants to go to Mississippi. And so the NCAA calls foul. They say, they manipulated you into going to Mississippi. And the boy is heartbroken. And he actually believes the NCAA that this woman was trying to manipulate him. And he, he struggles with it. And then he talks to her. And he goes back into this NCAA official's office and says this. You never asked me where, why I wanted to go to Mississippi. And she says, why? And he gets a great big smile on his face and he says, because my family went there. Because my family went there. See, he wasn't manipulated. He was led by a loving family that cared about him. And that's the way the Lord is. He is a loving God who cares about you. And he doesn't lead you by manipulation. He leads you by love. And where he leads you, you want to go because he's your family. Amen? He's your family. We are family. Amen? 1979. We are family. I got all my sisters and me. Okay. All right, I got to stop. Father, thank you so much for this night. It's been an incredible night of ministry. Thank you, Lord, for the worship time, the prayer time, and the, the word. And Lord, I just pray that as we go home tonight, Lord, that, that we won't leave what happened here, here, but we will take it home with us. And Lord, that we'll share it with people. We'll encourage people. Lord, we'll... we'll We'll look at areas of our life where maybe there's been manipulation or maybe we've been trying to manipulate and, and we'll be broke free from that, Lord, so that we can be led by the true arms of the shepherd. So, Father, help us all to go home tonight uplifted, encouraged, and blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. May you as a son or daughter of the Father know the true love of Jesus Christ and understand your true identity as a royal member of his family. If you live in Polk, San Jacinto, or Trinity County in Texas, consider joining us live at 8125 U.S. Highway 190 West in Livingston. We have services Sunday at 10 a.m., Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Like us on Facebook, and if you would like to partner with us, check us out online at cotl.live.